Joining us on this episode is Dan Wright, Chief Nursing Officer at Ascension Columbia St. Mary's Hospital, a passionate executive pioneering authentic connections between leaders and frontline staff to improve care culture. With over 19 years of nursing leadership experience aimed at elevating care quality, patient outcomes, and colleague engagement, Dan believes deeply in people-centered leadership. While together, Dan shares how regular rounding on units, hosting open forums for team member feedback, and inviting caregivers to shadow him helps humanize executive roles while building trust. We also discuss the challenging reality of current nursing shortages and burnout. Dan explains that re-inspiring and motivating staff through relationship building and helping them feel valued and invested is key to overcoming these crises. By putting people first, Dan sees a path forward for healthcare that enables both compassionate, quality care and a positive work environment. Join us for this important, timely and invigorating conversation. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Dan. A big welcome to our podcast today. Hi, Mike. Great to be here. Well, given your role as a chief nursing officer within one of the leading health systems in the United States, coupled with your belief in people-centered leadership and making connections with all those you serve from caregivers, patients, and your community, I'm honored to have this conversation with you today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Dan, it's almost time for our community to learn how you are so focused and passionate about investing in caregivers at Ascension to improve both the culture and environment for people to prosper and provide the best quality and compassionate care for the communities you and they serve. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Be authentic. That is the most important thing that anybody and any person and any leader can do is just be authentic. It took me a long time to get there, but that's the most important because when you're authentic, you create safe space for people, and that builds that trust and that relationship and that creating connections that you had mentioned earlier. Dan, I absolutely love it. And you know, and it actually works both ways. It took me a while to get there. You know, a lot of my mentors mentioned that as well. Authenticity, that can stay with you for a long time. You don't have to hide behind anything. Just bring your true self. Because even if you have to deliver not so good news, if you still bring your authentic self, somebody knows they're going to get that true person, that true leader. So no matter what side of type of information you have to bring, whoever you're delivering that to, they know they're getting that true person from you. Dan, has that been important as well? As in, we're going to dive more into the things that are happening within your team at Ascension, the wonderful things that you're leading. But has that been something that you've been pressing upon your team members as well, is leading with authenticity? Is that part of the culture within your team as well? Absolutely. That's something that I definitely continually have conversations about because I you know, in my past and in my experience with others, 
specifically leaders or those that I would look up to, you always looked for that, who is this person? And you want to get to know people on the human level and you want to be led by people on the human level. You know, I've worked for people who had a very conservative way about them. And I mean that in the terms of presence. And sometimes that deflects or it prevents people from breaking through and really showing and showcasing who they are and who I am. And so for me, it's really about if you really connect with people on an authentic level, you're going to create that conversation and that connection allows people to feel safe. And that when you build that trust, people will tell you anything and everything that you want to know. So that way you can continue to build upon a success. So for me is there is nothing more pure than being authentic, especially when you're leading others, because people feel it. You feel when you have somebody who may not be their true form or their full self, and that creates a barrier sometimes in communicating with others. So for me is you have to create that authenticity. You have to be authentic in order for others to be authentic. Absolutely, Dan. We're going to talk about leading others. We're going to talk about those teams that you're leading all the initiatives that are happening within your camp at Ascension and all of the wonderful things that you're helping come to life amongst you and your team members in that truly authentic way. I can't wait to discuss that all that and more after we get back from thanking our Community Champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus, or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Dan Wright, Chief Nursing Officer at Ascension Columbia St. Mary's Hospital. Dan, thank you so much. You teed us up perfectly on the front end. We have to lead with authenticity. I think it's more important than ever, especially what we've just been going through as an industry, as leaders in this industry with the pandemic. We're frankly just going to have that living with us and the side, you know, the byproducts and the effects of the pandemic, what it's done to us culturally, what it's done to us psychologically, emotionally, or otherwise. So bringing your true authentic self during these tough times in healthcare, I think is more important than ever. So thank you for setting the stage for us on the front end. Of course, Dan, we want to hear a little bit of your journey becoming a CNO at one of the top health systems in the United States. I know we're going to talk a little bit about you actually starting bedside care. That's awesome. I love to always hear about those journey of becoming those senior leaders in health systems just like yours. And of course, Dan, we'll talk a little future state. How are we going to continue to address the crises that are in front of us in this industry at this time? What are you seeing that you think is on the horizon to help us address those crises? And then of course, we'll bring it back to today and how we can be helping you. We have an amazing community rallied around this podcast. But for now, Dan, take us back. Take us back to that bedside. Take us back to your journey of becoming a CNO at Ascension. How did this all come to be in the first place? 
First of all, I never thought it would come to be because originally I started off in the insurance industry. So I didn't start off in healthcare and I knew I always had a passion for it. I remember when I was in kindergarten, I'm going to go way back, but I remember being in kindergarten and I got this asked this question at a recent speaking event that I did at the CNO Congress. And they asked, what did I want to be when I was in kindergarten? And I remember saying a baby doctor. So besides a nap, a baby doctor sounded good to me at that time. So we fast forward, you know, what's important to us when we're in our early 20s, late teens, making money, having fun. So I was working for an insurance company and I was a underwriting manager at the age of 21. So I was doing pretty good at the age of 21 career wise. I'm like, you know, I could ride this out. But what happens is time goes on, things start to change. We get a little more mature in our thinking. And it was about the time I was 28. I started really thinking about like, gosh, maturity wise, what do I want to say I did when on my deathbed? So when I'm sitting there on my deathbed, what do I want to say that I accomplished in my life? And there's a place for everybody. And we need all different types of people in different industries to make the world go around. But for me, it was how do I help people? And really, when I started reflecting on what does that mean? And how does that tie in with the legacy I want to leave someday? That really came to going back to the medical field. And then I was thinking, well, I'm 29, you know, about to approach 29. Medical school might be out of my realm just because in my mind, I said, you know, I have some timelines I want to commit to. So I started really exploring, like, who spends the most time with patients and how do you help them? And that was no doubt nursing. Nursing has such an impact on people, not just from a care perspective, but looking at, you know, spiritual needs, emotional needs, physical needs. Nursing really does encompass the whole body and the whole person. And so for me, that was the most important thing. So I am at 29, I cashed my 401k and I put myself through nursing school working as a PCT one day a week at a hospital. And when I graduated with my associate degree in nursing, I worked as a neuro nurse on a med surge floor. And I just found my passion and loving taking care of patients. And I was always thinking of how can we make patient care better? What can we do to care for our patients better? setting the expectations. If you're going to have surgery, what do you expect when you come in? How do we take the fear factor away from our patients? And so I really helped build a program for patients and what to expect day of surgery, day before surgery, you know, leading up to going home, et cetera. And I'll tell you, Mike, what was interesting is at that time, I had no interest in getting back to leadership because I really was passionate about patient care and being involved in that. But I always say, if you want to make God laugh, have a plan. Because during that time, things just started falling into place. And I started receiving calls from another healthcare system saying, hey, we have a nurse leader position open. Would you be willing to come and talk to us? So one thing led to another. And then I said, well, if I'm going to go into leadership again, I don't want to be too far away from patient care. So sure, I can be a clinical nurse manager. I can be a nurse manager. And so I did take the role in perioperative services because I said, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something to expand my current knowledge and broaden my understanding of how patient care works. So I became a nurse manager for perioperative services at another healthcare system. And things kept progressing there, made great operational improvements, great made connections. And as you're going through leadership, you're always learning. And there were certain things that I learned recently that I didn't know back then that would have made me a better leader. And I want to tie all that up as we get through this conversation. But in my background, I became a director over uh, intermediate care units. 
And then I became a director of clinical operations, nursing operations, and I became associate chief nursing officer. And it just progressed from there. And looking back, I always wanted to make sure I tied myself. I wasn't so far away from patient care that I didn't understand and that I couldn't advocate for the right things. Because when I think of what a chief nursing officer is, it's somebody who's not sitting in an office making decisions. It's somebody who's out hearing, feeling, and seeing what's going on. So when I am sitting in this office or I'm sitting in the boardroom, I'm advocating and making decisions that are best for our caregivers because I've experienced, I've seen it, I've heard it, I've felt it. Dan, it absolutely tees me up. And for everybody tuning in, they can't see this conversation right now, but you are living proof of what you just mentioned. You are sitting here with this conversation, with this interview, sitting in scrubs and not a suit and tie. That's a small thing to maybe to others. To me, it's a big deal. I used to work in, in, in hospitals, in facilities, in the medical device arena many years ago. You would always hear from those care team members and from others, or I would even see it, that the C-suite or the executive leaders would never come out of their ivory tower. They would never come down and, and come and experience what those frontline caregivers are experiencing. And you just mentioned that as something you take great passion in. As a matter of fact, this is one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on this podcast. I am a big fan of your work on LinkedIn. I get to follow you and see the daily updates between you and more importantly, you highlighting your team members. And there you are all the time on the front line, on the front lines with those care team members. To me, it's something that I think we need now more than ever. So let's talk about current state, Dan. Here you are now, a CNO with one of the top health systems in the United States, you know, a CNO at a facility in Wisconsin. What are you experiencing today, Dan? What are you hearing from those frontline caregivers, your team members? You know, we are in a moment of crisis. Let's call it what it is. These are difficult times that uh, we are experiencing healthcare with staff and labor and burnout, a caseload in regards to, you know, how many patients one person must now have to look after. It's just a tough, tough time. Dan, what are you seeing right now with your team members and how are you working through some of those things, being there on the front lines with them? Yeah. Well, one is many healthcare organizations are dealing with the, obviously the staffing opportunities that we have. What I am proud of and what I'm going to walk back to is when I first arrived here is that my focus is always on people first because we need our people to take care of our patients, right? And for me, yes, patient-centered care is utmost importance all the way around. In order to execute on that and to make sure it's done with high compassionate quality care, we have to make sure that people feel inspired and motivated to do that. So wherever I go, the most important thing I can do is build relationships and build that trust. And how do you do that? You create different avenues where people, you get to interact with them. So I have four different pillars to what I call my nursing pathway to distinction. And the first pillar is all tied to everything that we're doing for engagement, retention, and recruitment. People first. And so I have under that, that pillar is all the different tactics of how do we connect with our caregivers? Are we making sure that we have dedicated rounding time so that way we're visible to our caregivers so we can listen to them, we can highlight and understand what it is that they're going through? creating shadowing experience, not for me, just for them, but I also invite people to shadow me. So that way we get a full understanding of what's going on. Having, I do a call with donuts with Dan, which is everybody who starts within 60 days, we sit down we have coffee and donuts and we talk about the whole, what was your experience like before you applied here to applying here to your onboarding experience? I have what is literally called creating connections, which I do twice a month 
which is an avenue where we have, whether it's we do one in the morning, one in the evening, but it's just where people can come, grab a bite to eat, something to drink, and just share ideas, say hi. They don't have to say anything. They could just grab something and go. But the point is, it's creating those opportunities for me and for our caregivers to connect on many different levels. So I create these different avenues to do that, the nursing town halls. So it's not always just people coming to me, but it's also how am I getting to them? And you'll see me in scrubs and, and I'm just out rounding. And whether it's me being purposefully doing something skill-wise, like I still don't mind putting IVs. I like to keep my skills up every once in a while. But it's also about me just being visible and just being there. And I have worked in facilities before or have seen facilities before where it was a rarity when you saw somebody from the C-suite that would come out to the floor where you'd get a call ahead of time to say, hey, the CEO is coming down or the CNO is coming down. I don't want that environment. My environment is I want to walk down any hallway and nobody gets fearful of me being in a hallway because they know that I'm just there to say, hey, how are you? Now, if I see something, point something out because we got to make sure that our ship is tight and we're following regulatory regulations and so forth. But for me is I can walk down any hallway now and you're not going to see somebody who's like, oh gosh, CNO's here. Got to tighten up. No, I want people to be who they are. And I want to help really focus on how do I help make you better and how do you make me better? So it's really just about the connections that we create. And for me, and to kind of highlight that, we have improved our turnover by 5%. Our net positive hires are the highest that they've been over the past three months. We have a recruitment event next Thursday where we have 150 people who have RSVP'd, which is the highest number. So when I say that building a culture that people feel safe in, that the people feel connected to, they feel inspired by and motivated to do well, that is where you're going to reap the rewards. So for me, it's our people first. That is the most important thing that we can do. No, that's so true. And you know, that's some things that if you look at some of the debriefs, if you will, or what is driving this burnout, what is driving this despair and the things that we're experiencing in this moment of crisis in healthcare, it's a lot of the things on the opposite side of that we have experienced. They don't feel connected to a larger movement or a frontline caregivers don't feel connected to the leaders and they're no longer inspiring them. To your point, they get a notice that on Tuesday, Mrs. CNO is going to be coming down for 45 minutes, right? And that she's only come down maybe once a quarter, right? Those things do not create inspiration. Some people like to lead that way. I believe that, and I'll just call it out. I believe that those are the old ways of thinking. This is how we used to do things. We can no longer continue to do what we've done because it's not putting us in a position to where we need to go. You know, I'll get off my soapbox now, but Things have changed so dramatically in how we must think about being servant leaders and to hear you not only talking about it, but putting it in practice. And I do recommend all of our listeners to go and follow you on LinkedIn and see it on the daily. And you can see that authenticity with what you share about not just your work, more importantly, your team members' work. I think these things are needed now more than ever. Dan, what have you been, what is that feedback you have been receiving from your team members during these very difficult times? And what are they saying that they think is possible to get us through these difficult times? What's that feedback that you've been receiving? A couple of things I want to say to that is, you know, I'm not perfect. And I always put out there, I'm human. And so I ask people, keep me honest. So if I'm not living my truth and my authentic self, I want you to call me on it. I don't care what level you're at or what role you have. I want people to give me the feedback because if I don't know, then I can't fix it. And so it's that shared responsibility in terms of connecting with people. The other thing is I want to mention, Mike, is authenticity is part of my leadership philosophy. So I have four parts to it, which is to inspire, motivate, 
authenticity, and accountability. Because to me, those are the four things that if we can live by, then everything else will work out between engagement, patient safety, quality, all of those things. Go back to that. You can't have high quality standards if you're not inspired and motivated. And you can't have them if you don't hold yourself and others accountable to those high expectations. We're taking care of people. We should have high standards and we should help each other set those high standards and live up to them. So when you're talking about what the challenge that we're facing, we're all facing the same thing. It's just how do we do it and how do we make people feel that they are valued and appreciated right where they are and that they have a path forward. So for me, those are some of the challenges that we're overcoming. And I'm very successful in saying that, I should say, I'm very happy to say that we are being successful. We're not perfect. We still have opportunities. Every healthcare system, I would say, probably does. Nonetheless, is creating that sense of ownership and accountability within each other is part of the journey that we're on. Is If you don't feel part of something or connected to something, then you're not going to have ownership in it. And are there still people out there who, you know, are still burnt out and probably have some of the PTSD from the COVID days? Absolutely. And we can't ignore that, nor can we say we're back to normal operations. It's not about normal operations. It's about pivoting and making sure that people feel mentally healthy and safe. And when I go back to connected, right? There was a time, and I remember back, I was part of the magnet committee and redesignation committee for one of the hospitals I was at. And I remember it was one of those, you felt like you were on top of the world when you were part of something that was getting the hospital to someplace bigger because it was for the betterment of each other and our patients and the hospital. And I think partly due to COVID, it has raised some of the things that have been bubbling underneath. And we've got to re-inspire people again to be motivated about, you know, not just nursing practice and operations, but healthcare and other industries as a whole. We've all been through it to some degree, have been impacted by it. And it's how do you bring that back? So that's why the inspiration and motivation is so important to me and making sure that people feel part of something bigger than themselves, because this is bigger than myself. What I'm doing now is going to hopefully have a positive impact after I'm gone. And I don't just mean that physically, but you know, celestially. I want to leave something where we have done something great and so many people are better off for it. Well, and that tees me up and that's perfect, Dan, because you tee me up really for the next question or the next topic that I want to cover is taking that proverbial crystal ball off the shelf and talking about a little future state, right? How do we reignite re-inspiration or inspiration? How do we re-inspire? How do we start moving our team members forward in addressing these crises today so we can get back to a thriving community and thriving ecosystem of healthcare providers, not just necessarily your facility, but across the nation. How can we get there, right? I always go back to we as a nation 50 plus years ago, we rallied together and put a man on the moon together as a country, right? We have some of the most passionate and most brilliant people on the face of this planet that call this country home. I know we can get through this moment of crisis, but we have to do it together. So from your perspective, Dan, what are some of those things in the future state that you're seeing that are going to help us get to that, where we are re-inspired, we are reinvigorated, where we are thriving? Is it through technology? Is it through different ways of working? Is it different modalities of working? What are you seeing? What are you and your team members seeing in that future state to get us back to a thriving type of ecosystem? Yeah, I'm going to speak on a general, in my opinion, overall, here's what I'm going to say is all the above. Because one is, 
when it comes to the healthcare, people still like the personal touch. They still like the compassionate care. So do I think that there's a place for AI and future technology to help supplement some of the tasks that are out there? And when I say tasks, it means there are different methods on out there that can help keep patients safer from an AI perspective and an algorithmic perspective, but that doesn't also replace the compassionate, the personal touch to healthcare. So for me, is it's how do we leverage those things together we also need to look at the generational differences and how people approach work and how they approach work-life balance and what is important and what is motivation and what is inspiration. Because what I think it is and what you think it is may be very different from somebody just coming out of high school into college. So we need to make sure that we tap into and understand what are those approaches to work? What are those thought processes to the work that they're going to do? And what does that look like? So there will have to be some shifting and pivoting on what traditional work and schedules will look like to how do we keep people motivated, inspired in different capacities when you have the generation that is coming out of college now definitely is a kind of a mover and shaker and sort of speak of wanting to try different things and move around and those sort of things. So how do we tap into that too as a strength rather than looking at it as this is something that is negatively impacting the workforce? But it's really about how do we tap into that leverage. So to answer your question, it's all of that. It's all of that. And it's shifting and pivoting a little bit to be able to say, let's bring in the AI technology. Let's leverage technology as it is today and where it's going. And how do we help supplement some of the workload and the efficiencies and the processes so we can decompress some of the tasks from the nursing and the provider perspective that makes sense, that doesn't lose the compassionate care and that personal touch that people long for. Well, I love that you highlighted that at the very end of your statement there. One thing that we are not going to deconstruct anytime soon is who we are and what we are made of as human beings in regards to that compassionate connection with a fellow human being, right? That at its core is why I think caregivers are so important to the health of their fellow man. So that is not going to change anytime soon, but be able to put things in place to afford more of that on a more regular basis, to me, that's where the magic happens. So thank you for that kind of a little bit of a future perspective, Dan. We'll come back to current state. We have an incredible community, as I mentioned, rallied around this podcast. Some of our top thinkers, some of our most passionate leaders in the industry tuning in on the weekly. They'd love to help our guests just like you. What's one problem, need, or question that you're kind of thinking through or contemplating right now that our community can be helping you with? I love ideas and suggestions on how do we continue to create connections and trust within the working environment. You know, one of the things is, I go back to authenticity. Some people say, I've heard this over and over again. I've heard these promises over and over again. How do we make sure that we live our truths, that we live our promise, we live our commitment, and how do we overcome to people to see that? So I think that that will always be an age-old question, and I'm always open to hearing others' feedback on how do we make sure that we put people first? And how do we make sure that we connect with that? And so speaking of connecting, how do our community members get a hold of you or connect with you, social media handles, contact points online? How do they get a hold of you, Dan? If you'd like to follow me or reach out to me, have questions, have conversations, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Excellent. And easy enough for our listening community to scroll on down in the episode notes for this episode. You will see that contact point, uh, Dan's LinkedIn. Just click on through and get a hold of him. Uh, do trust me, go and follow him, connect with him on LinkedIn. His journey on there is absolutely fantastic. It really was the spark of having this episode today. Again, head into our episode notes to go and follow Dan. You can head over to our free global online community as well at passionatepioneers.com. 
There will be a post for Dan's episode where you can leave comments and questions and feedback, as well as find that contact point for Dan as well. Again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Dan, what a phenomenal conversation, one I've been waiting for for some time. This has been a fantastic conversation, but as we wind down, we have one big more piece to cover for you. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? Authenticity. I love it. Short, sweet, and brought it full circle from where we started today. Dan, thank you so much. Dan, an absolute honor to have you today, to have your story told, and for our community to learn from you and to hear the things that you're working on and continuing to help push our industry forward. I know we can do it, but it is truly living that authentic self and making those connections to get our industry back to a thriving state of mind. I know we can do it, and with leaders like you, we're going to get there. So, Dan, again, thank you so much for being with us today. An absolute honor having you on. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.